This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, The Majority Report, A Best of the Left Activism Update, The Onion Radio News, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Bugle, Counterspin, Media Matters, The David Feldman Show, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode suggests that the American educational system is not the best in the world. The Tennessee Tea Party wants to remove slavery from uh, their history books. <laughs> and they want to do so in order to protect the identity of our founding fathers. Great. They want to make sure that uh, none of these kids learn about the fact that our founding fathers um, basically were horrible to Native Americans and also uh, owned slaves themselves. Who are these children who I know. do this? I know. I, I, they're crazy. Like, here's the deal. It's not hard. The founding fathers, it's complicated, man. Mm-hmm. Like, they owned slaves. They were brilliant. They sort of forged a freaking nation, and they were brave, and they were brilliant, and they had these great ideas, and then they were effed up because they owned human beings. Teach both. Teach both. Be a grown-up. Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You're humiliating Tennessee. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe this is too idealistic, but, you know, the whole point of history, and we haven't been too great with this in the U.S., the whole point of history is to learn from it, right? And learn what happened in the past, what went wrong, and you should learn to avoid doing those things again in the, in the future. And it... it this is this is our country. This is what happened in the past. You know, it wasn't. You can't look look at life through rose-colored glasses. You can't look at the U.S. through rose-colored glasses. You got to know what the truth is and what our history is. It turns out the group wants to change textbook selection criteria to say no portrayal of minority experience in the history which actually occurred shall obscure the experience or contributions of the founding fathers or the majority of citizens, including those who reached positions of leadership. Yeah, think about what they're trying to do there. It's like they're so scared that an effort to talk about really important parts of our history, how we treated uh, our black citizens and how we treated Native Americans, like these critical elements, they're so scared by that that they think that they'll somehow tarnish this notion of people whom they know nothing about the Founding Fathers. Like, the Founding Fathers, are, they're like us. They were incredibly complicated. They were a large group. Some of them had r- ridiculous ideas. Uh, and then, as a group, they did a great thing for which we should be eternally grateful. And guess what? We are. But they are so scared, man. It goes back to this thing that, that people unlike you are going to take what's yours. And the sense that Indians, who are powerless in this country, by the way, and have been since the moment Whitey got here, that the Indians are, 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 the, the Indians are powerless, but somehow the Indians and blacks are going to take from us, are going to take what's ours. And they're already taking our jobs, and they're already taking, our, they're taking food stamps, and they're taking our money, and they're taking our jobs. Now they're going to take George Washington. Well, I'm not going to let them take George Washington. George Washington's not going, George Washington's fine. George Washington, he's okay. He's all right. He's all right. He doesn't mind. It would be okay with George Washington. You think one founding father would be like, they take their slavery stuff. No, of course not. Idiots.
And meanwhile, uh, just to uh, fill out the uh, troika here, in Alabama, an Alabama state senator is against raising the pay of teachers. Alabama is a uh, strange state in the way they pay uh, teachers. Starting salaries are actually um, highest in the nation, I believe, uh, very close, if not, uh, in uh, Alabama. But the longer you stay, um, the more it lags in terms of pay raises. And Alabama State Senator Shadrick McGill said that increasing teacher pay is against a biblical principle because it might attract people who otherwise wouldn't do the job. Teachers need to make uh, the money that they need to make, McGill said, is according to the uh, Times Journal. If you double a teacher's pay scale, you'll attract people who aren't called to teach. Are they talking about doubling teachers' pay? I don't think so. Uh, you'll attract people who aren't called to teach, and these teachers that are called to teach, regardless of the pay scale, they would teach. It's just in them to do. It's the ability that God gave them. So, on one hand, you have Republicans who are saying that uh, teachers are already there teaching just to suck off the system. They live like, like millionaires, just without the millions. And on the other hand, they're saying, well, we can't raise uh, the pay because then we'll start getting people who are just there for the money. And obviously, anybody who would say this has no idea what it's like to teach uh, because it's an extremely difficult job, aside from it being a really important job. National average starting salary for a teacher is $39,000. And many have uh, argued that uh, it should be close to double that. But uh, the Bible tells us we can't do that, so what are you going to do? Welcome to the Best of the Left Activism Update. My name is Lauren, and I'm the Activism Czar at bestoftheleft.com. Over the past few weeks, we have discussed different measures of how to get involved in protecting civil rights, be it in the LGBTQ community or against the racist, undemocratic systems that target African American, Latino, and other minorities. We have asked you to support state-level pro-equality and marriage referendums and legislation, as well as engaging in community-led pride events, and more recently, signing a petition at bit.ly slash stopalec to combat Alec's attempt in subverting minority voting rights and hate crime-enabling stand-your-ground laws. It is important to remember civil rights do not occur in a vacuum. The boundaries are inevitably blurred across multiple modes of identification, and it remains vital we strive for a common goal to seek the end of all forms of civil inequality and injustice. 
This is why it is so exciting to witness against previously predicted assumptions both LGBT and African American communities joining in an alliance to support each other for continual equal rights under the law. While at Netroots Nation last week, Jay and I had the privilege of hearing current NAACP President Ben Jealous speak about just that. His and the NAACP's recent endorsement for gay marriage is quickly becoming a contemporary rallying call to achieve equality for everyone. Yet his community also continues to bear a harsh, unequal burden. New York City's controversial stop-and-frisk program continues to remain one of the most damaging and overtly racist forms of police profiling. Last year, NYPD officers conducted close to 700,000 street stops, with more than 4 million total while under Mayor Bloomberg's administration. The spike in street interrogations has done little to remove firearms from the streets, the main reason behind stop-and-frisk, despite zero evidence that proves a causal link in the two-decade-long reduction of street violence dropping steadily in New York City. In fact, while Black and Latino males between the ages of 14 and 24 account for only 4.7% of the population, they were profiled in 41.6% of the stops in 2011. The number of stops of young Black men exceeded the entire city population of young Black men. Likewise, 9 out of 10 people stopped are totally innocent and are neither arrested nor ticketed. Even the NYPD admits its tactics are not about making arrests, but as a preemptive measure that such stops will dissuade people from carrying weapons in the first place. As it stands, these measures are similar to racial profiling for law-abiding Muslim Americans. This wholesale violation of civil rights has sown a deep mistrust between police officers and the communities they are supposed to protect. It is also a problem that until now has evaded both judicial oversight and judicial review. So here's what we can do. If you are near or in New York City this Sunday, June 17th at 3 p.m., please join the civil rights, faith, labor, and community groups in a silent march against New York City's stop and frisk policy. On Father's Day, we can help stand together to show that New Yorkers, on behalf of all Americans, refuse to let our children be victimized by racial profiling. Likewise, leaders from the queer community will also be on hand to offer support. In fact, it was the historic Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village where the backlash against police harassment in June 1969 launched the modern LGBT rights movement. As Herdin Gradic, president of GLAAD, has stated, LGBT people of color are twice as likely to experience police harassment simply because of who they are or what they look like. The time has come for communities to work together to ensure that every person has the ability to walk the streets for their community without fear of harassment from fellow community members and those we entrust to keep our community safe. Similarly, Al Sharpton has stated, the coming together of civil rights leaders and LGBT leaders on this issue is a historic union with broad social and political ramifications. If we fight for each other's issues, it broadens and strengthens each respective movement. So please take a stand with the New York, NAACP, and LGBT communities. Please go to silentmarchnyc.org for March details. On a national scale, if you cannot attend the march, we suggest you check out Communities United for Police Reform at changethenypd.org pledge. This is where you can help take the pledge to build community, promote safety, and end discriminatory, unlawful, abusive policing practices in New York City. So whether you rally in New York or stand with the CPR, you too can make your voice heard. This has been a Best of the Left Activism Update. For more information about links in this segment, please consult the show notes at bestoftheleft.com. I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together. Mm, it's always better when we're together.
I hope you enjoy this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as five $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Too many things I have to do, but if all of these dreams might find their way into my day-to-day scene, I'd be under the impression I was somewhere in it's the Onion Radio News. A high school teacher constantly uses the janitor as an example. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Chemistry teacher Arnold Danielson at Warren G. Harding High School in Des Moines, Iowa, has for the past eight years used custodian Howard Sievert as a living warning to underachieving or misbehaving students. Junior Jason Netzel recently received one such warning from Danielson. When my grades started to slip, Mr. Danielson took me aside and said, well, you can buckle down and study harder or you can end up like old Howie. Netzel added that Danielson is also fond of asking tardy students to name their favorite car and then informing them that such a car is unaffordable on a janitor's salary. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News. Online at the Onion. Into weed snap, kitchen stinks now. Finally got the guts to saunter in and dawn of I think we might be on the verge of a correction. On April 2nd, when Rick Santorum was still a candidate for president, uh, he said this crazy, untrue thing about the University of California. I was just reading something last night uh, from the state of California, and at the California universities, they're, they're in several, I think it's seven or eight of the, of the California uh, system of universities, don't even teach an American history course. It's not even available to be taught. That is not true. Not true at all. Every university in the University of California system teaches American history. Everyone, even the one that's just a medical school, they teach American history classes. Three weeks ago, while Rick Santorum was still in the race, his senior strategist came on this show and said that if, in fact, Mr. Santorum had been totally wrong about that, and he was, in fact, totally 100% wrong about that, certainly, if he had been wrong, Mr. Santorum would apologize for that. I would guess if that somebody who he felt was credible gave him information that he thought was credible and he felt that he misspoke, I think he would be one of the first people, the person to say, I was wrong and I'm going to tell you. I All mean, right. that, that's the type of person he is. I will follow up with you on that because right. I think these are easy ones. Okay. Now, Rick Santorum still has not apologized, but uh, he has now started apologizing for some other stuff. The snob one, because uh, I misread his comment where I, I, I thought he said everybody should go to college and it was it was what I had read was someone's 
interpretation of what, and, and I just use that as a fact, and, I, and, and, I, and it was factually incorrect. So that's the one I feel bad about. That was Rick Santorum on CNN last night saying that he feels bad uh, for having said this. President Obama once said he wants everybody in America to go to college. What a snob. Rick Santorum now says he feels bad about that because, in fact, what Barack Obama was saying was that everybody needs access to some post-high school something, whether it's two-year college or four-year college or vocational or technical training, something, uh, because that's what our economy requires. President Obama says this on the campaign trail all the time. The unemployment rate for people with high school education or less is way worse than the unemployment rate for people who have more education than that. Everybody needs access to higher education. Uh, Rick Santorum ran with that on on the campaign trail forever, like it was a huge scandal. I understand why Barack Obama wants to send every kid to college. Oh yeah, because they're 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 indoctrination bills. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. oh yeah, the indoctrination. Oh yeah. As of last night, uh, Rick Santorum is sorry for calling the president a snob. Uh, for wanting people to have access to higher education. Uh, he still has not corrected what he said about American history not being taught in the University of California. Um, and I'm guessing that he still believes that college is where you get liberally indoctrinated. Republican politics this year around the issue of college, uh, about going to college, about colleges being suspect places, uh, in particular about how we pay for college in this country. Republican thinking on these issues is usually out of the spotlight in politics, but this week the spotlight has been on it. Uh, the president has done a three-state college tour this week, and Democrats are really focusing on trying to win younger voters. And in part because of that, they have really gleefully been shining a spotlight on what Republicans think now about the issue of college. One Republican congresswoman said she had very little tolerance for people who tell me they graduate with debt because there's no reason for that. I'm, 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 just, I'm, just, I'm just quoting here. I'm just quoting. She said, uh, she said, students who rack up student loan debt are just sitting on their butts having opportunity dumped in your lap. I mean, I, I, I'm reading it here, so I, I didn't make this up. Now, can you imagine saying something like that? I love the girl standing behind the president going, Virginia Fox, Virginia Fox, the whole time. And she's right. She knew exactly who he was talking about. Obama, uh, President Obama speaking yesterday in North Carolina, quoting Virginia Fox, a North Carolina Republican congresswoman. Uh, here was the president today at the University of Iowa talking about a congressman from the state next door, uh, Todd Aiken of Missouri. You've got one member of Congress who compared these student loans, I'm not kidding here, to a stage three cancer of socialism. Stage three cancer? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know where to start. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Come on. Just when you think you've heard it all in Washington, somebody comes up with a new way to go off the deep end. The president, the Democrats broadly, have been aggressively on offense against Republicans on the issue of going to college and student loans all week. And today on this issue, they won. 
We can't price the middle class out of a college education. Not one, not, we can't do it. Especially when most new jobs in America will require more than a high school diploma. Congress needs to act right now to prevent interest rates on federal student loans from sh shooting up and shaking you down. That's where you come in. I've got to tell you, the Republicans who run the House of Representatives have not yet said whether or not they'll stop your rates from doubling. Helping more young people afford college should be at the forefront of America's agenda, and it shouldn't be a Republican or Democratic issue. This is an American issue. That was President Obama at the University of Iowa today, his third college speech in two days. Democrats have been on offense against Republicans on the issue of education and on the issue of student loans in particular all this week. Well, the president has been doing speeches like this at colleges, pitching his policies and going after Republicans. The Democratic-leaning American Bridge Pack put out a highlight reel of Mitt Romney talking about college issues on the campaign trail. unsubsidized loans for grad students, which makes it almost impossible to pay off our debts, have a house, have a car, have a family before we retire. What are you going to do for people like me? Uh, you know, I wish I could tell you that there's a place to find to find really cheap money or free money and we could pay for everyone's education. That's just not going to happen. Uh, I, I would like to have uh, more competition between schools. I hope you shopped around. Not everybody's going to go to college, of course. Uh, the college is not right for everybody. After a week of ads like that and bully pulpit pressure from the president personally on college campuses, House Republicans and Mitt Romney have done a 180 on the issue of whether or not student loan rates should double this summer. The Republican position all year long, the position of the Paul Ryan budget, uh, is that student loan rates would be allowed to double this summer, but the pressure from the other side appears to have worked. First Mitt Romney and now congressional Republicans have caved on this issue. House Republicans say they are now planning to vote on Friday on the Democrats' plan to keep student loan rates where they are. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. And there has been a controversy in a Washington, D.C. charter school after a teacher was discovered to have assigned third grade students a series of uh, math problems around violent and illegal scenarios. Uh, John, can I just put your... Yeah. Maths. Sorry, maths, maths one problems. One plus one. Math. One math plus another math. Maths. Maths. 
Maths problems. <laughs> At first, the teacher said he'd been ordered to assign uh, these problems, but it later turned out that he'd actually downloaded them from a free homeschooling website. <laughs> that sounds legit, Andy. <laughs> Why not? An entirely unregulated website for homeschoolers. I'd call that a valid resource. <laughs> uh, the head of the school involved said, I was absolutely distressed. It doesn't follow anything we do. We're about character, excellence and service. And I found these questions to be violent and racist. <laughs> violent and racist? Sounds like someone just tried to make maths fun, Andy. <laughs> so violent and racist? That's basically everything I was taught at school about <laughs> British history. <laughs> That's right, they're teaching the wrong lesson. Uh, what's even better is that apparently the teacher in question is a minister as well. So uh, let's take a look at the questions in question, shall we? Uh, here's one. Um, I was sleeping one night when a hungry vampire sucked 3,652 litres of blood from me and 1,865 litres of blood from my little brother. How much blood did the hungry vampire drink that night? <laughs> now, I mean, that... That seems fine. A bit violent, maybe, but nothing too bad. A slightly worrying amount of blood being sucked. But, you know, I guess it's all in cartoon fun. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, if you're going to do maths, yeah. you've got to link it up with a biology syllabus, sure, surely. Sure, exactly. And after all, Sesame Street uses a vampire to teach children about counting. It's just that vampire doesn't do that by sucking three and a half thousand <laughs> litres of blood out of a six-year-old. But, you know, still, not too bad. Let, let's try another one. Um, question number two. I took a nap in a bog one day and woke up screaming. <laughs> Three We've all been there. <laughs> 3,796 leeches, 2,910 fleas and 1,044 vampire bats were stuck to my bald head, drinking my blood in ecstasy. How many bloodthirsty bloodsuckers were dining on my head? <laughs> OK, that's a bit weird, Andy. <laughs> we're now in difficult territory. <laughs> There seems to be a bit of a bloodbath going on in these maths problems. It's like a mathematics course designed by Wes Craven. There is a significantly much higher body count than you'd normally expect from a maths test. Because usually what you get is, um, oh, a train travels at 35 miles an hour. Liverpool is 156 miles away. How long will it take the train to get to Liverpool? And not... A train travels at 35 miles an hour. Liverpool is 156 miles away. The train hits a bus carrying 64 people, <laughs> all of whom are severed in two, and whose blood covers the wheels of the train, making it go two miles an hour faster. How long will it now take to get to Liverpool? But hold on. Now the train's going faster, it's unable to stop in time, and slams right into the platform in Liverpool, where 314 people are standing. How many of those people are critically injured? <laughs> Here's another question. John's father gave him 1,359 marbles on his birthday. That's fine. John swallowed 585 marbles and died. That is not fine. <laughs> Nine of John's friends came to his funeral the next day. John's grieving father <laughs> gave the remaining marbles to John's friends in equal numbers. How many marbles did each friend get? OK, that teacher is a serial killer, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that is also, why not... I mean, if you're going to do that, at least get... I mean, surely you can get the 585 marbles back out of the kid. You know, give his, give his friend something genuine to remember him by. Um, Brian, a brave member of a SWAT team in California, had a terribly busy week last week. Mm -hmm. He had to work for seven whole days. He killed 163 terrorists, 296 murderers, and 206 arsonists. Is this real? How many criminals did he kill on average each day? Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my... 
Well, I mean, it's true. It's on the website, <laughs> homeschoolingparadise.com, if you want rich entertainment and actually some quite testing mathematics. I mean, okay. let's, let's give this, give okay. this website its due. Let's on. not bury the lead here. These are not easy problems. I mean, the problem is that, you know, if you take this, this might explain some of the excesses of Californian policing over recent years. <laughs> 111 murderers broke into my house because they wanted to steal my maths worksheets. Luckily, I had a bulldog, a boxer, and a mastiff to protect me. My ferocious dogs killed all the murderers. My brawny boxer killed 19 more murderers than my sleepy bulldog. My massive mastiff tore apart thrice as many murderers as my boxer. How many murderers did each dog kill? Here's another one, Buglis. Uh-huh. Do send your answers in. Sally had between 35 and 60 ugly bearded men who wanted to marry her. She finally told them to arrange themselves in groups of eight in her garden to help her decide. However, there were five men left over. She tried again and told them to arrange themselves in groups of six. This time there was one hysterical man left over. <laughs> she married the hysterical man out of pity and told the rest to get lost. <laughs> how many men... To be... How many men wanted to marry? To be... That, is, that just sounds like the plot of quite a good... Buddy movie. Yeah. Either yeah. that either that, or it's, you know, the next absolutely gigantically successful American reality show, I think. <laughs> Hysterical men. <laughs> that is Train to Liverpool, four hours, 31 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> New York Times columnist Gail Collins wrote about standardized testing and the No Child Left Behind law on April 28th using Pineapple Gate, a controversy over a bizarre question on a New York State English exam, to criticize wide-scale testing. Quote, We have turned school testing into a huge corporate profit center led by Pearson, for whom $32 million is actually pretty small potatoes. Pearson has a five-year testing contract with Texas that's costing the state taxpayers nearly half a billion dollars, close quote. So far, so good, but then Collins writes, quote, This is the part of education reform nobody told you about. You heard about accountability and choice and innovation, but when No Child Left Behind was passed 11 years ago, do you recall anybody mentioning that it would provide monster profits for the private business sector? Me neither. Close quote. In fact, the profiteering that would arise from the testing boom was discussed in The Nation by Stephen Medcalf in 2002. His piece so impressed the nobodies here at Counterspin that we interviewed him. Medcalf's piece quoted a Pearson executive on President-elect Bush's plan for large-scale testing. Quote, this almost reads like our business plan. Close quote. Metcalf also quoted Monty Neal of Fairtest, another opponent of the testing fetish, who said, quote, this promises to be a bonanza for the testing companies, close quote. And others raised the red flag, too, to little avail. So the testing industry, already impressively large, hired lobbyists and became part of the Washington establishment. But somehow in the clamor, someone apparently forgot to tell Gail Collins.
This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Melody Johnson. Fresh off a Fox News interview last night, Rush Limbaugh was in full conservative warrior mode this morning. Here's what he said about the public education system. The whole education system has been corrupted by liberalism. It's not even an education system anymore. It is an indoctrination, a series of indoctrination camps. It's not education. For someone who supposedly values education so much, he sure has a lot of disdain for scientific consensus. Here's his explanation to Fox host Greta Van Susteren as to why Republican primary voters have been reluctant to embrace GOP presidential hopeful Mitt Romney. They remember that Romney said he believes in global warming and he believes that man is causing it. Well, conservatives don't believe that. They believe it's a hoax. In fact, conservatives know that the whole story of man-made global warming is a hoax. In Quebec, things have gotten uh, far more, well, I don't know far more, but necessarily they, they're getting far more heated, I guess. Um, you'll notice on Saturday Night Live this weekend, I didn't, I didn't watch it, I'm going to watch the, uh, the YouTube of it, but Arcade Fire was on with, um, who's that dude from the Rolling Stones? Mick Jagger? Right, Mick Jagger. And uh, Arcade Fire wearing a uh, red patch in solidarity, I guess they're Canadian, with um, the Quebec students who are protesting. On Friday night, Quebec's provincial government passed an emergency law restricting demonstrations, shutting uh, down some universities because they, they want to try and end this three-month series of protests against tuition increases. Police must be informed eight hours before a protest, told the route of any demonstration that includes 50 or more people. Hours after the vote, thousands of protesters <laughs> marched in downtown Montreal to condemn the le legislation. The city of Montreal passed its own ordinance banning protesters wearing masks during demonstrations, levying fines between 500 and 3,000 bucks. Quebec still refusing to roll back tuition hikes of $260 per student. And the Quebec Bar Association, this the essentially the uh, Lawyers Association, said it had serious concerns about fundamental freedoms being abridged. Meanwhile, last night, more than 180 people arrested. The new law apparently has done nothing to quell the student movement but instead I guess it's grown it and this is for a, a province that has the lowest university I guess uh, tuition rates in the country but still students not having it and good for them Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, 
I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. New high school alumni make successful use of vague graduation advice. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Their high school commencement ceremonies are long past now, but former students from Bonneville High have somehow managed to put the generic and unfocused advice offered by their class valedictorian to effective use. Recent graduate Greg Lindsay is working hard to become a living example of the words, go forth and become the dream you've always had. When I heard that, it was like my entire future just fell into place. The author of that advice, valedictorian Joel Ramsey, is currently living out his own dream as a part-time heroin addict and struggling blowjob artist. Maybe you'll marry, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Whatever you do, don't congratulate yourself too much, or berate yourself either. Your choices are half chance. So are everybody else's. Enjoy your body. Use it every way you can. Don't be afraid of it, or what other people think of it. It's the greatest instrument you'll ever own. Dance. Even if you have nowhere to do it but in your own living room. Read the directions, even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. It's very infuriating when people talk about what a genius Bill Gates is. And Bill Gates is going to save our schools. Yeah, I know. And Mark Zuckerberg is going to save our schools. College dropouts with rich parents who pointed them in the direction of an angel investor. Guys who have ne- never spent a day teaching class. They, they know how to fix education. Not the people who actually know how to teach kids. They don't know, how, they don't know what to do. And it's the corporatization of education. We've talked about it, so it's it's bad. You know, charter schools. Uh, most of the charter schools, like eighty some percent of them, do worse or no better than the other public schools in their districts. So, you know, and charter schools have a lot of advantages. They get to handpick their teachers. They get to handpick their students. They get a lot of. So, the, 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 again, let me just reiterate one more time: what charter schools were originally invented for was they weren't supposed to. You weren't supposed to build a school system of charter schools. You were supposed to have a couple of schools where teachers were allowed to, where master teachers were allowed to experiment, find out what worked, and then you would replicate that in the rest of the schools. Well, that's not what they're doing I now. I went to some Catholic schools where the teachers like to experiment. <laughs> that's something different. But that's yeah. not what they're doing now. What they're, what they're doing is they're trying to make a bunch of charter schools. That's how you save the schools. I make every school a charter school. Have them all do it different in every school. And uh, it's, it's, you know, all it is is union bus bashing. There's no accountability. My you, niece, if you're a charter school, you don't you have bus to be unions. Yeah, non-union. You and my wife 
is very involved in politics in Los Angeles and zoning issues. And what she's discovered is a lot of these charter schools are set up by rich people who are gentrifying a neighborhood, and they don't want their kids going to school ah, with black people. Yeah. So they offer up a charter school. Anybody can open a charter school. Anybody can open Anybody can. Mm-hmm. And we know plenty of people that have worked at charter schools. They're not so happy because they're not just working Monday through Friday. They're also asked to come in on Saturday and teach a lesson and open it up. Up to the community, but you're not really being paid. Yeah, you, you have even, you have to donate even more time. And who do they attract? Young teachers, and they're willing to do anything because they want a job. So then you have these indentured servants, and you have these people that don't want to question authority because they're young and they want to have a job. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't. I feel sorry for new young teachers. How is you're a teacher? Yes, Stephanie. I am. How I'm a 20 year veteran. How bad is it getting? Well, personally, I happen to see, uh, teach at a great school. But they raised your class sizes this year, did they? Um, I I used to be able in the state of California. You used to have a twenty to one, so I would teach about a hundred students a day. Now, on average, I teach a hundred and eighty students every day. How many? One hundred and eighty so high double. school students, teenagers. And I'm supposed to make sure that they're proficient at reading and writing, <laughs> critical thinking, and be able to demonstrate strong essay writing skills and meet the, meet the standards in the California state standards uh, for ninth and 10th grade. She's, and I do a pretty great job at she it. She does a great job. She's supposed to read 180 essays. When she, gives out a, when she gives out an assignment, 180 essays she's supposed to read. 180. But I'll tell you right now, how's it going? We just finished reading To Kill a Mockingbird. And what I'm surprised it, that hasn't been banned. Well, it used to be. A, a, I'm sure it was probably at once upon a time on the book of lists of sensory books. There was just books. a documentary about Harper yes, Lee last night. It's on fascinating. Yeah. I just uh, watched about 30 minutes. But anyways, it's a 50-year anniversary, and we got to have this special moment together by watching the film after we had read it. And it's so striking because Harper Lee highlights how it's um, it's a Christian town. You know, every Sunday they all go to church. Every Sunday. Yeah. But there's a disease. And the disease is racism. And, you know, we haven't made any kind of real strides right now in our in our culture, looking back at when that book was published and here and now. And my students made the comparison uh, to Tray- Trayvon Martin. But also, the same week we finished reading the book, the Supreme Court comes out and they're okay with uh, strip search. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like when you say, when you sit and say, I, I don't have any hope for the future... As a teacher and an educator, I want to have hope for the future because I see the potential of these kids. But I think, you know, education is being slowly chopped apart. Education is bad for the Republican Party. It's, it's well, bad David Frum, critical thinking. To it, have educated people. It's well known. David Frum, I have a clip that I played mm-hmm. ad nauseum on my show last year. David Frum, former speechwriter for George Bush, coined the term axis of evil. He said, I have a tape of him saying that it's, uh, you know, it's well known that the uh, more educated you get, the less likely you are to be a Republican. He said, we've already lost the four-year college people. Now we're starting to lose the two-year college people. And if we lose high school, we're dead. So that, that's what he's did. That's what he said last year, and I have that clip. And so they got rid of him. He can't go around saying stuff like that. And look what they're doing to the colleges right now. So mm. the junior colleges in Santa Monica, right? They're going to have a two-tier paying system where kids can pay the regular tuition, but if you really want to get to the class, you can pay $280 a unit and have access to the class. Right. But they overturned that at Santa Monica. 
But don't you see that as something that potentially that's going to continue? So whereas a lot of my friends, when we were in high school, we were going to go to the junior college because that was accessible to mm-hmm. us. Right. And so this is what made California great. Oh, this yes. is what made America yes. great. Free education. Free education. And Why do people get mad? They go, oh, do you want to go to school for free? You want to, Everybody wants something for free? Because they... Yes, education should be free. Well, when, uh, when the whole uh, Wisconsin uh, Teachers <laughs> yeah. Union thing happened, people on Fox were actually saying, well, teachers, they only have to work till free. Yes. You know, I mean, they were presenting teachers as deadbeats. Lazy. Who are, who are you know feeding on our society yes. and 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 the, and Bloodsuckers. Pre- presenting them as the as the uh, villains? Well, you know, grading 130 essays in one night. <laughs> Here's the I'm watching Mad. And you get summer off. Uh, that's right for free. <laughs> yeah, for, I don't get paid. <laughs> I, I'm watching Mad Men. It's my father's generation. These guys came home. This is why the schools are messed up. Your father? Did your father fight in World War Two? No, he had kids. Did your father fight? My in World father War? covered World War Two and was involved in a lot of uh, right. action. My dad was too young, by the way. So my father. Mine too. Let's weigh in about my yeah. dad. Um, Steph and I aren't as old as you guys. So my father fought in World War Two. <laughs> Liberal was against the Vietnam War. Oh, but he was part of the greatest generation. The greatest generation. This is why the schools are all screwed up. They came home, they had the GI Bill. My father came from abject poverty, and he got what was coming to him. He got the GI Bill, mm-hmm. and he took the bite out of America that the Statue of Liberty promised. And when he was raising me, he raised me to be a little competitive. And I looked around in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and all the fathers from the greatest generation were teaching their sons and daughters to be competitive with their fellow citizens. So my generation is very competitive, and it's competitive to get into a good school. And one person's success is another person's failure, that the universe is limited, and you get yours before somebody gets it. And that's what happened to our schools. Most Americans, especially the ones who send their children to private schools, don't care about the other students. They only care about their child. Because if you have $40,000 a year to send your kid to Harvard-Westlake, what you're doing is you are not only, you're not investing in your child, you're investing in the decline of 100 kids in your local school, because that for you know what forty thousand dollars, Steph. What could forty thousand dollars that they that one little <laughs> kid gets? That, that, inv- that pays one salary for a teacher, a, a new teacher. That would pay their salary. So, so more people would benefit. In other words, if if a venture capitalist or a comedy writer or a doctor or a lawyer were to spend the forty thousand dollars. We're not to spend the $40,000 on, say, Harvard-Westlake, but we're to invest it in a local public school. Who would benefit from that? Everybody in the classroom right. from that 40000 Well, supposedly the way you invest it in the public school is through taxes, right? But they don't want pay taxes. They don't want to pay those taxes. And they'd and they rather have it the, the money for themselves so they can send their kids to the fancy school. And That's then, why they want the vouchers. Right, because they don't want other kids in America to succeed. That's that is we are a gated and it, community. And it turns out they happen to be kids of color. 
Which you know, brings- these aren't these aren't your European American kids that they're they're neglecting. These are, you know, when you see how when you see violence on campus, that's just reflecting what's happening in the community. And why isn't there more violence? You know, a- after seeing everything that's happened to our our country in the last ten years, let the decline in the last thirty, forty. See, I'm morally superior to a lot of people because both my cho- I'm a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Both my kids are products of the public schools, inner city public schools. They turned out great. My kids are perfect. All my kids are great. Do you great. call Hollywood inner city? Well, really? it is. It's, a lot of people who come from my. Don't mention where I live. Don't mention where I live. <laughs> but uh, people who come from my background would consider where my kids went to an inner public city school. school. Okay. Public school. They would look at the ethnic makeup, makeup of sure. the school and they would say, "There's no way I'm sending my kids to this school." Would well, you want to know what the test scores? No. It's it's. Look at this. My kids turned out great because they realized early on that it's not about them. It's about us. And that's the secret to education. There's just a limited amount of information that you can cram into these idiots' heads. Children's are, children are idiots. There's just so much you can teach them. You have to teach them how to be sociable and how to share. And the only way you do that is by sending them to a, to a public school, not a private school. Private schools should be outlawed in this country. I agree. And, and I'm, you know, I, we started talking about satyrs, and, and, and I'll tell you a story. I took a class at my temple. And the rabbi, who turned out to be an idiot, (laughs) said that the New York City public schools saved the Jewish intellectual tradition. That when Hitler was killing all the Jews in Europe, the New York City public schools, for free, were educating the the poor Jews, the, the refugees, and if it weren't for the New York City public schools, much of the city college, much of the intellectual tradition of the Jews would have been killed by Hitler. So I said, how many of you have returned the favor by sending your kids to public school? And most of them said, well, it's different now. Mm-hmm. And I said, how is it different? Well, the public schools are no blah, 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 because you're not Sending, mm-hmm. They're bad because you're not sending your kids to public school. You got yours. And that's you, the idea of not allowing when you have a single-payer health care in other countries and then allow private health care. And it's because if everyone is in this system, they're going to make sure it's a good system. Right. If the rich people have to be in this system, too, they're going to make sure the system works. And that's the whole theory anyway, so I don't know. It's not a theory. It's a fact. Okay. It's why a draft makes for a better military. Yes. Right. Or makes for better decisions what's done with our military. Yes. That's for sure. It makes certainly your country more involved if you had a draft. Yeah. It should be against the law to send your child to a private school. If it were against the law... To send your had busing worked, had they stuck with busing, oh boy, maybe shorten the distance a little. This you country know, would we be a, a much smarter country, but that's one of the reasons we're so stupid. Busing was such a bad idea. Well, no, I wasn't. understand that busing really destroyed oh, Pasadena school district, and Pasadena. And you know what? That this, the the worst part about Pasadena. They have these beautiful, beautiful schools, and a, most of the middle class have taken their kids to private schools. Hmm. And they just have, you know, a lot of alternative type schools that are doing very well. But it's sad because our public schools, I agree with you about public schools 100%. I went to private, public, and parochial schools when I was a kid, and I ended up being kind of a deadbeat. So. <laughs> Wonder where you've been, and you want.
The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Bullies. An American schoolboy comes to school seething with emotion. In the blink of an eye, several other students are either dead or seriously wounded on death's doorway. And a youngster faces a life-changing moment and perhaps the end of his days in freedom after the latest school shooting. According to early accounts, the boy was bullied. School shootings have become as common as the annual sightings of Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog who reportedly warns of coming cold or the thaws of spring. And whether bullying was present in this case or not, it has been a prominent feature of the recent past. Almost immediately, experts stormed the stage to decry the effects of bullying on children. Does such an attempt work? Apparently not, for school shootings have not diminished much. How could they when American education is virtually awash in bullying? From the second Bush administration to the first Obama term, principals have been bullied by politicians. Indeed, teachers have been bullied by principals, and students have been dogged by teachers. For the law known as No Child Left Behind and its Obama derivative, Race to the Top, are instruments of state and class bullying that have absolutely nothing to do with improving education and everything to do with promoting a broken market ideology that has failed as equally on Wall Street as it has in schools. Kids are tested with a vengeance and threatened with the consequences of failure. Politicians, most who wouldn't be caught dead with their children or grandchildren in public schools, create rules that almost guarantee failure and then threaten entire communities with school closings. No Child Left Behind was a cold and cynical weapon used against poor communities. It wasn't a program. It was a bumper sticker. President Barack Obama has done little more than slap a new coat of paint on its rotting carcass. Meanwhile, countries like Finland stand at the very apex of the best schools with the best educational outcomes for students by ignoring every element of the U.S. system of educational threat and failure. They teach teachers treat them with respect, and then teach students in buildings full of light and color. No bombast, no threats, just success. Imagine that. Teachers teaching, students learning. Imagine that. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal.
uh, Finland's educational system. Yes. So, so fascinating thing. So about three decades ago, uh, Finland uh, has an educational system that's doing terribly. And they look around and they go, okay, what are we going to do about this, right? We got to revamp the whole thing. And they decide, for whatever reason, you know, the Republicans here would call them, uh, you know, no good socialists, et cetera, that they were going to focus on equality. Well, I know, it's crazy in a democracy. And it's not equality of results uh, because they didn't even uh, do tests. They don't do any testing until the age of 16, okay? So no standardized testing, et cetera. Equality of opportunity. So they said, no matter if you're poor or rich or you're in the middle, uh, our objective is to reach equality of opportunity. And by the way, and this is amazing, and it would make Republican heads explode here in the U.S., uh, we are not uh, going to achieve, we're not going to try for excellence. Already, like, in, in America, that's like, what? They're like, no, no, we just want everybody to have a fair chance. Right. right? They got rid of competitiveness within their schools. Yeah. Instead of focusing so much on pressuring them, you've got to be the best, you've got to be the greatest, you've got to score the highest on the standardized test. They're like, no, we're going to step back, we're going to let you discover what you're passionate about and follow your dreams. Okay, now, it gets crazy. Yeah. Okay, wait till you see the results. Okay, they said, you know what, kindergarten, preschool, canceling it. You're not allowed to go to school till you're seven. You know why? Because kids should be kids. <laughs> Heads exploding here in America. Nobody can. Okay, it gets uh, weirder by American standards. No private schools allowed. None. Everybody has to go to public school. Okay? And, but, but a competition? How are you going to have competition? No, we're not going to have competition. Get this. We're going to pay our teachers a decent wage. Okay? And we're going to require them. Now, they're not getting paid outrageous. Okay? Right. They're just, it's a decent wage, right? Uh, but, you know, it's a, a Finland, so they get health care, et cetera, et cetera. And right? also keep in mind, they changed the role of teachers. They became much more prestigious. Like, yes. it, wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, you're a teacher, whatever, you're making nickels and dimes. It was like, oh, my God, it you're was, a teacher. Now, so this is another mind-exploding thing. Yeah. Uh, teachers are now, it's harder to get into a school to be a teacher than it is to get into school to be a lawyer or a doctor. Okay? And they have to get a master's degree and then they could become a teacher and it's revered in the uh, society, okay? No standardized testing until you're 16. Uh, and the list goes on and on. So they're not even participating in the international tests because they're like, tests are, are, are silly. We're trying to find out what these kids want to do and, and give them an opportunity to do it well, right? And in the beginning of the 2000, I think it was 2000 or 2001, they, they're like, all right, you know what, let's test the, the kids at the end here. Yeah, uh, it was a PISA study. The PISA stu uh, test. Okay, so let's, let's enter them in there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. We don't expect much. Number one in the world. Number one in the world. And they said, well, it must have been a fluke. Even the Finnish thought it must have been an accident. Mm -hmm. We're not even trying for excellence. We're just trying to get people a fair chance, right? So they retested several times, not that year, in the ensuing years. Consistently top three in the world. The others are Singapore and South Korea, where they're working the kids to death. <laughs> okay, keep it real. Okay? And they're succeeding, and that's a different way of doing it. And look, and that's a, you know, and one could argue about what's the better way to go. But so, and then the, the guy who is the head of their education uh, department, uh, basically their education minister, comes and lectures here in the US. It's a hilarious story in the Atlantic. He's explaining to the Americans, we don't do competition. Mm -hmm. The Americans are like, all right, so anyway, how do you compete? They're like, no, but we, no, we do cooperation. They're like, okay, anyway, so uh, what are your private schools up to? They're like, we don't have private schools. He's like, okay, so anyway, what are your private schools doing? <laughs> okay, no, no, but we don't have private schools. Like, he's explaining the system, and it's not fitting into their head. Like, the Americans are like, I don't, so anyway, the bottom line is, 
what? Uh, more competition, right? He's like, <laughs> he's like, no, that is not the bottom line. It's the exact opposite of the bottom line. And so, they, and he's written a book about it. And yeah. and they say Americans try to learn from the Finnish model, but of course, uh, in the New York Times coverage of that story, so a different article. Mm -hmm. Uh, they quote uh, somebody from a conservative think tank saying, "Oh well, you can't you can't do the Finnish model here. Obviously, I mean it's a totally different situation. Uh, you know, number one, they're much smaller. Uh, well, we do education state by state, so we'll compare them to one of our states about the same size, Kentucky. Kentucky disaster. Finland top of the world, right? Uh, okay, they say, oh no no, and I love this code word. They have a more homogeneous society. Yeah. You know what that means? That's code word for well, they're all white." Okay, well, so of course they're going to do better. Oh, really? So then you go to Norway, which is their next door neighbor. Same exact ethnicity. Same exact homogeneous society. They use the American model. Disaster. They score near the bottom. Mm -hmm. So what now? What now is we're never going to change. No, because we're not. Because when you we're tell not. Americans this story, you know what they say? Well, our education system might have some troubles. But it's the best one in the world. You're number one! But wait a minute, in the testing you're like number 15 or number 19. You're in disaster. We're number one! We're I America! Know, USA! USA! This is Brian from Tennessee. I just listened to your last uh, podcast. This is in reference to uh, the Young Turks segment about all military members being heroes. So I've spent four years in the Air Force. I did a medical job and was lucky enough not to have my uh, number pulled to be deployed. Uh, but I did work uh, in the medical, in, in, in a hospital that got everybody ready to mobilize. And I didn't know every single person that came through there. I helped, uh, helped get them ready to go, and I know for a fact that not all of them made it back. I love when people, you know, thank me for my service and uh, shake my hand, and I, I, I take that with, you know, a lot of pride that I did serve my country. But to call everybody a hero, including myself, for doing something, serving my country, yes, doing something heroic, no. I really like the, the distinction of that, and uh, a lot of military people feel like that. And to have somebody on TV shouting at the top of their lungs that, you know, all military people are heroes. Even the military people don't consider themselves heroes. That should be reserved for, you know, the real people that have given everything and especially those that have done it in extreme situations. So that's all I have to say. I really enjoy the show. Keep up the good work. Have a good one. Hi, Jay. This is Tim calling from Hyattsville, Maryland, right outside of the District of Columbia. First, I wanted to call for a bunch of things. First of all, to thank you for the fine work you do. Uh, second, just to remind some right-wingers who might be listening that if they think there is some kind of a left-wing monolith, which you often hear, I often disagree with what you or people on your show say. But if they say it intelligently, that's why I may pay attention to it and respond accordingly. But my real reason for calling today is thanking you for putting the Young Turks business about the apology that Chris Hayes was forced to make for having challenged uh, American troops being called heroes despite what they do. 
It's an issue to me because I'm a tour guide in the D.C. area. It's related to the issue that you very, very often hear at the Vietnam Vets Memorial, that the poor Vietnam vets returned and were collectively spat upon. That was basically a myth created in what I call Gulf War I, the prequel, to get us to support the troops because uh, we couldn't support the war. Uh, and then we therefore have made heroes out of people that even haven't even gone into basic training yet. I agree with the Young Turks, uh, Jenk is his name, I think, uh, that Chris Hayes should not have apologized, and I'm disgusted with MSNBC that he was required to do to do that. Thanks very much for the work you do, and I've been listening to you for a couple years. If I were more than seasonally employed, I would contribute a lot. Keep it up. Thanks. Hey, Jay, I love the show. Uh, as a constitutional conservative, as I listen to it, when I get nervous about the country going in the wrong direction and I hear the people calling in and hear the clips you put on the radio and know that people aren't going to be that ignorant for long and then you'll eventually move to the right as you grow up and mature. So thank you for giving me every time I think uh, the leftists like you have a chance to succeed and take over the, the country. I know that you're just going to fall flat on your face. So thanks again. Your show is uh, considered as real hope. Hey, this is Dave from Olympia, Washington. Uh, commenting on your gun control episode, particularly the the clip out of the onion with the the parody of the school shooting. Well, Brooke, school officials are reporting that sophomore Will Tracy had few friends, dressed in black, listened to strange music, and drew disturbing artwork on his notebooks. Luckily, before he could orchestrate a school shooting or obtain a gun, he was shot and killed by Trevor Wilson, a high school football star and last year's junior prom king. Wow, that was a bizarrely powerful clip. And I'm not sure it was in a good way but it was very, it was very resonating because as, as I listen, I can, I can see the setup happening and I can see the structure of the joke and I saw the joke, but I've got kids in high school and it's, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't laugh. It was frankly chilling, really, really chilling. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know, but it was really emotionally resonant. Um, yeah, so... I mean, I thought I'd just let you know that, that that was a... The Onion's usually a funny ha-ha side dish. Uh, that was heavy. That was very heavy. Stay awesome, man. Just, by the way, in case you haven't heard, there's this thing out there called Our Blue Media. Sounds really cool. You should check that out. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So exciting news uh, today is that I think this is the first time ever that a conservative has called into the voicemail line. So that's definitely notable. Uh, I also found it just a tad humorous. Uh, I mean, his comment was vague to the point that you can't, you don't really know what he thinks or feels or anything like that. But in general, conservatism is known as, you know, trying to uh, conserve the ways of the past and, and things of that nature. So for his comment to be a sense of relief that, you know, he can now rest assured that, uh, you know, this country will not be moving in the progressive direction, 
is, uh, you know, I found it humorous because it makes me want to introduce him to something called the inevitable tide of history. Uh, if you look backwards, not even terribly far, but especially the further back you look, the more you see that uh, inevitably time marches on and the country and the world in general get more progressive in their thinking. And so to ever be relieved that uh, that we will stop moving in that direction seems, uh, you know, a bit silly at uh, at least. And, you know, another phrase comes to mind, the only constant is change. So uh, if you're a conservative hoping that things won't change, you're uh, probably not going to be in a whole lot of luck. Uh, secondarily, I want to comment on Dave from Olympia, Washington's voicemail about the onion and the school shooting story. And, you know, nothing Dave said at all led me to believe that he misunderstood the joke. I mean, he said that he has kids in high school and, and so that resonated with him on that level. And that's totally understandable and and. You know, of course, of course, if you if you hit like a trigger like that, then you're not going to find the joke funny. But as long as he brings it up, uh, I, I will go ahead and do what I love to do uh, every once in a while. But uh, but I loved so much to dissect comedy down to like the molecular level so that you understand exactly how it works, even though in the process it sucks all of the humor right out of it. Uh, but what I loved so much about that clip is is that you know, of course, it's not about. Uh, you know, high school shooting at all. That's not the, you know, the joke has nothing to do with high school shooting. The joke is, is twofold. First, as The Onion so often does, it's criticizing the media for the way they get the stories wrong so often. They miss the point of what's going on and they just kind of go with conventional wisdom. And, you know, but more pointedly, it's a critique on sort of the human condition of how we irrationally fear the other and equally irrationally praise uh, that which we see as normal or acceptable uh, in this case you know the high school football star and prom king it you know can get away literally with murder and gets praised for it uh, while you know the kid who was keeping to himself is irrationally feared and shunned by society and so that's you know that's what happens in high school that's what happens in Congress and politics. That's what happens in the media. And so that that's what was being brought to light. And I just, uh, you know, I just, it was a ridiculous way to, to bring it up, but that's what comedy is all about. And it, it's reminiscent of another clip that I haven't, I haven't played yet, but will about a mass grave. This is another clip from the onion, another joke about a mass grave. I won't give away the punchline, but you know, it, it goes to show that incredibly creepy subjects can be used to uh you know to make larger points about things that are less creepy so that's going to be it for today thanks to everyone who supports the show by becoming a member or making a one-time donation to the show uh, that works incredibly well and and is how the show survives so please uh, consider doing that if you're uh, if you're feeling so inclined of course everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it or by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly enjoyed through your social networks that can be done through the show notes on the blog to stay tuned into the show between episodes, join up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is also posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and Apart a picture that wasn't right Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to